Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. As we are back at it, the weekend begins with the Fifth Hour Podcast, and we thank you for finding us, however you found us here, and uh, telling a friend uh, the the gift that keeps on giving, the, the Fifth Hour Podcast on the weekends, which that sounds sounds awkward. Uh, but we, we're going to kick off the college football season, which is right around the bend, and there's no better way to kick off the college football season than with a primer on what to look forward to, but it's not going to sound boring. That sounded boring. It's not going to be boring at all. And we, uh, again, we thank you, though, for for finding us. The podcast has been doing very well. The weekend podcast, we don't have the big radio audience. It's a loyal group of minions that follow the Fifth Hour podcast, a spinoff of the Overnight Show. And you found it, and you can tell your friends. It's available not only on iHeart, but wherever you get your podcast, you can get it and download the podcast. We're on Cameo. I am on Cameo, cameo.com slash Ben Maller. You want a personalized Maller monologue type deal for you, or you just want me to do something crazy? I had a Laker fan who wanted me to sing the praises of the Lakers on a Cameo. That was awkward, but uh, but but it, but he paid, uh, so I did it. Uh, kind of. I kind of did it. Uh, we are joined this weekend, surprisingly, back-to-back weekends from west of the 405. <laughs> I had to take a peek at some inventory and look at some some data since we're big these days on the science, not a science or some science, but uh, yeah. had to look at some backlogs and noticed that a few days that I was out, uh, come right back and uh, book a guy by the name of Rob Parker. It was the highest rated podcast in the last 60 days. So uh, for that, uh, I must say thank you and a good job by myself. So. Yeah, I have heard a, a lot of complaints, but we'll save that for the yeah, who gives a for shit. the next uh, next podcast. We don't want to sully the podcast here. When well, see, you you've been a huge NFL guy since you were a kid, but was there ever an instance where you just felt like, man, college football is the equal right now to the National Football League like in terms of your fandom? 
Oh yeah, sure. When when I was a kid, I, I it was not insignificant at all. It was yeah. a big part. I have fond memories of watching the you know the big USC games on TV. Although my parents went to UCLA, watching uh, you know random Notre Dame games, and yeah, I, I bought into all of, all of that, and I, I still love a, a a great college atmosphere. Like I, 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 the only one I've been to outside of California is Norman, Oklahoma. Oh man, that was, that was amazing. Yeah, like I, I would. If I had the time and I had the resources, like Dan Beyer, who works at our place, he got sent for years to like the biggest college football game of the the week. Yeah, and that's awesome. Like he got to experience all that. He's you know got to go to Tuscaloosa and see what's like at Alabama and and, and go to all these these great college setups. But I, I really haven't experienced much of that other than Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but no, I appreciate. It. And we don't talk too much college football on the the overnight show. And the reason we don't do that is that we're not on Saturday, and so we, we could, like, preview the game. Like, if there's a big scandal in college football, we'll talk about it because I love scandal. Yeah. But by the time we get back Sunday night into Monday, the NFL trumps college football. And so there's all these big NFL stories, and then uh, college football just gets lost in the haze of the NFL and does not get the the recognition on our show, there's a lack of recognition yeah. uh, for for college football. But, but it's amazing yeah. though because when you look at television programming, top 50, 60 program shows throughout the the year, it is dominated by the NFL. Up seconds, college football, and then everything else. But there's for as much as that can run parallel in some ways, it's not even close with the NBA and college basketball. It just falls off a cliff. So. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I would love to go to Death Valley. I, I would love to go down to SCC country. I'd love to go to Notre Dame. I, I, I'm a biased guy when I'm talking scenery, but I absolutely adore Pasadena and the Rose Bowl. I think it's the best setting in all of college football. Well, you, you know, you can go. Yeah, I've been. Have you been? You've been to the Rose Bowl over yeah. the years. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah, to a bunch been, of. I mean, I went back uh, yeah. in the day with my cousin to go watch Ricky Williams truck stick a bunch of Bruins and still get shellacked by sixty. The, the yeah. glory days of UCLA and Cade McNatt and those guys, man, it was the glory uh, days. Uh, and I'm not even oh, a UCLA yeah. fan, but you know, you appreciate good ball and and obviously USC in the 2000s. But hey, hey, I did post game Bruin talk after the worst oh no day in the history of UCLA football when they had to play that makeup game. Miami. Yeah, yeah, they had a 17 point lead late third quarter. <sighs> And ended up giving it all back to Edger and James that and guy. the Hurricanes, who had n- not, not many had heard of Edger and James, but they did after that. He ran through them like a bull. He just ran over the, the UCLA team. It was so bad. How bad was it? It was so bad that the FBI investigated. They thought the game was a rigged deal, that UCLA tanked the game. That's how bad that the end of the game was there in the fourth quarter, and if they'd simply won that game, they would have played yeah. for the national. You know, would have gone to the, ne- the the postseason thing, the national championship game. Because yeah. I think Kansas State had, I think they had lost that same day, if I remember. Yeah, um, it was Kansas State, UCLA, and, and Tennessee all undefeated. Yeah, yeah, and then <sighs> dude, Edrin James had thirty nine carries for two hundred ninety nine yards in that game. He went batshit crazy in the second half. I remember that. Yeah, it was insane. Oh. It was uh, absolutely insanity, a hundred percent. And but that was a. I, mean, I was I was doing local radio. We had the UCLA Bruins radio rights, and mm-hmm. we were there like all those games. It was. Mad. I remember one of those years in in that era. I was at the Rose Bowl. They played Michigan when Michigan was still considered good. Yeah, and Alabama. Now Alabama was not considered great at that time, but still like a legacy program. And they beat them back to back. They beat them, Michigan and Alabama back to back. You're like, wow, that's like one of the greatest accomplishments of all time. And that's, you know, it didn't end up with a championship or anything like that. But but still, looking back, it was like, wow, it was actually more impressive. I remember to beat Michigan than it was to beat Alabama. Yeah. I also remember the Rose Bowl, uh, and I have a notebook somewhere here that Tennessee gave me from when Peyton Manning came to play at the Rose Bowl. Oh, they got skunked, right? Yeah, and. Uh, they passed out all this 
They were trying to get Peyton the Heisman Trophy, so they passed out all this paraphernalia for Peyton Manning. I kept some of it because I'm a loser, <laughs> and and I have some of it here in my many boxes as I I move. But uh, enough about that. Listen, we are we, don't bear the lead, my man. All right, uh, with that as the backdrop, collegiate football to the gridiron we go. And if you're a college football fan, you are more than well aware of Bruce Feldman who is the national college football writer at The Athletic and has been covering college football for more than 20 years now. You see him on Fox, college football coverage, a sideline reporter, the big games Fox does. He's written a bunch of books on college football, and he has he's seen it and done it all over the last two decades plus. And so we are joined now by the aforementioned Bruce Feldman. Bruce, thank you. So why don't we start with this name, image, and likeness. The era has arrived. We heard a lot of negative comments about this, pearl clutching, people jumping up and down, pounding the table. What are your early impressions on how the NIL has gone so far? I think people have gotten a little numb to it, maybe. You know, there's, there's a little bit of a shock value when you see, you know, an Ohio State freshman defensive uh, lineman, you know, posing pictures with a, with a really nice truck or SUV and that, you know, he's doing some kind of partnership with, with a car dealership. And, you know, it's, it's not too far removed from when you'd hear chatter from, like, on message boards of so-and-so defensive lineman or star player who didn't commit to such-and-such school is posing with a, with a fancy car on his Instagram. And people are like, see, look what happened there. So I think from that part of it, it's taking a little bit of readjusting for people. Um, I think some of the some of the reality of it is most of the money involved with student athletes, not just in football but in other sports, especially the other non-revenue sports, the money is probably not too eye popping. So I just think, you know, I think it's probably going to get normalized to a large degree before too long. It's just. We are in such a, uh, you know, such a framework of being used to the NCAA rules and regulations that I just think there's an adjustment phase that goes on to it. And quite honestly, some stuff is showing up on social media, and there's probably a bunch of stuff that's not getting on people's radar because it's not going on social media that's happening behind the scenes. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer songwriter and composer John Batiste the all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, and, and, and the moment for me where I and I, I don't I don't have a problem. I'm fine with the players getting the money. I'm glad they're they're getting the money. But it it you're right. It, there's an adjustment period. The the quarterback, the high school quarterback from Texas. I forget his name that went to Ohio State. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, yeah. Quinn Ewers. And uh, that was the satire moment for me when he when he posted a commercial on on social media and he hadn't even you know gone to college yet and that whole that that was like wow that this is really real that's like that was wild and now my I made an argument on, on my my show Bruce that I don't I don't think that's going to become the norm where guys skip their senior year of high school. Be your last year of eligibility to go wait to play football somewhere. I think that's only like one percent of guys. Are, are you with me on that, or do you think this would become more and more of a regular occurrence? No, I think that example is probably even less than one percent. It's probably a fraction of a percent. I mean, the the, the oddity of that one particular was you have a very hyped quarterback at a powerhouse school in Texas, and you had the high school head coach basically finding out that this kid is is thinking of, of just basically bolting and, and and leaving to go to college early on a, a news story that somebody forwarded to him so you have like wait a minute the parents are thinking of doing what and this you know it's like and there's a kombucha drink and what what is going on why are we hearing it? like it's just i think it's a it's that part of it is such uncharted waters and we'll see you know it's like I mean, is, in that particular case, is he going to win the starting job? And, you know, he's in a four-horse race, and he's coming in. He's, I don't even think as we're doing this, he's not even there yet. I think he gets there tomorrow. So who knows how that one's going to play out. I think a lot of this is going to be wait and see and, and how this works out. And I think there's going to be a bunch of stuff where people are going to look at it and go, what's the return on investment they're getting from that? And I think that there's going to be a, a lot of folks and a lot of businesses who are probably going to reevaluate as they go, because it's just everything is so new right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did see there have been some guys that have pushed back a little bit. I saw Pat Narduzzi, the, the pit coach, he, he made a comment that it was like legalized cheating and they need a salary cap, like a national salary cap for recruiting. You, you think that – do we get a new, a new bureaucracy, Bruce, in college football to oversee the oversight – of name, image, likeness, and how would that even work? I think the NCAA is, at this point, is so backed into a corner of guardrails. I don't know how that works. I mean, I did a big story on The Athletic right on the eve of NIL being made official, and one of the coaches made the point towards the end of legalized, basically legalized cheating and things above board, and, hey, if you're a booster, you complained about your school you know, losing lo- top local recruits to maybe quote unquote more aggressive programs. Well, the coach made the point. Now, you guys, it's put up or shut up time. You can legally um, have an impact on some of these recruits just the same. And it's not like it was in terms of in the NCA's purview before. Now it's a different landscape. And, we'll, and, and those are some of the things, honestly, that. When I alluded to it, it was like maybe those are things that aren't done in the face of social media necessarily. Um, you know, whether they're appearance fees or things where it's like, hey, this is a star player who's going to go to some boosters' kid's birthday party, and maybe he gets fifty grand for the appearance. Maybe he gets a hundred grand. I mean, the question is who sets the value on that? I I think the NCAA um, and even you know Congress. I I think that that is a that is a really touchy subject. Bruce, do you think it'll have any kind of trickle down in terms of any kind of money allocated to guys that are in junior college or maybe even trusts that are set up for high school kids to at least try to make sure that they stay in for four years and not bail like some of these guys? 
and assure them that there will be some money that is guaranteed for what they have agreed to once they become freshmen in college? Well, I think there's probably already a trickle down for some high school kids. I, I don't know, depending on how it's related to their different state high school regulation bodies and the, and the different state laws that are going to be put in place for this, mm-hmm. how restrictive, how, how, uh, you know, how detailed they are and how they're written. And so one thing I've heard a bunch of from some ADs in the first month of this was, okay, you know, we've seen some of our athletes come to us and like, wait a minute, not like you've signed your life away or something, but it's like, how, what are the, what, how long are the rights that you've signed to to go do some Instagram post for some jeans company or something? Like some of those things have already come up and there's a lot of, there's just a lot of TBD with some of this stuff as, as it's like happening on the fly. You know, and as a as a former athlete and as a gamer too, I think uh, Ben and I can attest. At least we're happy to see the the return of NCAA football on PlayStation or Xbox, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's huge. Bruce, did you did you grow up in that area, or were you more of like the Bird versus Magic on Atari? No, I remember like it's both. I definitely remember the EA Sports original yeah. Bird Magic game with the uh, not Bird Magic. It was actually Bird Doctor J. Actually, now that yeah, I think about it, it was right. the first time I'd seen it. And he broke a backboard, and there would be this like little comic <laughs> cartoon ref who would who would uh, <laughs> who would shovel the glass off the off the court. But no, I I mean like I love those old you know EA games where. You know, I remember a specific day with my now wife, but I remember she came home from work. This is before we were married. And I was like so excited to show her uh, this version of seven on seven that was added to the new to the game that was new that year. Mm-hmm. And she was like, how much time did you spend on this today? And it was, the answer was probably about 10 hours. And that was a little when it came out of my mouth to say it like that. I was like, yeah. Oh, pretty much wasted a day doing this. So I, but I, you know, I could see how addictive those games were or are. And, um, you know, it's funny. Now that we're talking about, I'm thinking about some of those days, the old elite 11 was really sponsored by EA sports and you'd have the, the newest game. And, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks, I remember back in the day, Ryan Mallow was a high schooler. He's obviously went on to play at Arkansas, but mm-hmm. I remember playing a game had you know against him, yeah. and it was just like I don't know that was I just felt like it was just such a part of the the start of the season in the fall. Which the game was about the new version of the game was coming out. Right. I mean, if you, and to be fair, if you grew up thirty years later, then you'd be actually getting paid to play these video games as opposed to covering these athletes. So it's just a it's just a different time. Um, I want to go to the SEC real quick and ask you a, a specific question on Alabama and Bryce Young. Um, you know, I, locally, I covered Bryce when he was at Cathedral and he was at Modern Day, and I have a completely different outlook on him than I think a lot of people do, especially when they compare him to DJ Uyunglele. But I feel like Bryce Young is going to be in that similar situation that JT Daniels was. And what I mean by that is that he was heavily protected at modern day. No one breathed on him. And then as soon as he got to the big leagues in Division One, and he had guys in his face, it was like a deer in headlights. And I know the offensive line will be much better at Alabama than Southern Cal. But, I mean, do you, do you see him being, like, the guy compared to DJ? Like, do you think that's one and two? Is that, is that Leinart and Brady Quinn back in the day? Huh. Um, I don't know. There, there are obviously different stature quarterbacks, the two of them. I don't know if I would see him as, you know, as, as JT Daniels. I think we're going into different places. I think they're going into them in also different transition phases, whereas JT Daniels left a year early. Now, I know he's about the same age as most freshmen, but it's still kind of like a crunch to get him, yeah. you know, to get him ready and hit the ground running. Whereas Bryce Young had a year to acclimate to college football and that program behind Mac Jones. Um, you know, there was no there was no Evan Neal anchoring the line and be the best offensive lineman in the country for JT Daniels. Um, I don't know, you know, like temperament-wise, I'd be lying if I said I had a a great feel for, for for Bryce Young and where he's at with things. Um, my understanding is probably he's probably better at um, handling pressure in the pocket and some of the challenges that JT Daniels has. 
So, but again, he's going to be in the SEC, and the bar is incredibly high. You know, there's high expectations for JT, and there's definitely going to be sky high expectations for Bryce Young. Um, you know, because it's been a long time now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to go back pre Jalen Hurts, where Alabama hasn't had a quarterback been exceptional. Um, you know, they had some. You know, Jacob Coker was a played pretty well when they won the national title, but they were really. You know, doing it with the pieces around him. Um, I don't. You know, I, I'd be surprised if Bryce Young doesn't have a really terrific freshman year, given everything I've heard about. Yeah, and as far as Nick Saban, I, I saw somewhat recently he signed another big contract at Alabama. Good for him. A lot of money. Uh, he's he's going <laughs> to turn seventy in Halloween uh, on Halloween. His birthday's on Halloween. So uh, you've been around him. Over the years, Bruce, do you see Nick Saban as a guy that's going to be one of these old guard college coaches that coaches into his 80s? Is he, do we have another 10 years of Nick Saban in Alabama? He doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's there for another six years or so. I mean, I don't know for him what replaces the, the energy he gets from being, running a, you know, the top program in college football. You know, would he get that if he was, you know, sitting next to Kirk Herbstreit on the set of game day? My guess is he probably wouldn't. Um, you know, he seems to be in really good health. He seems to be as much on top of his game as to the point where he's evolved to as a coach and as a leader. So, um, and one thing that I think is very unique about his situation, and we're talking about a guy who's, to me, hands down the greatest college football coach in the history of the sport, given what he's done in the year he's done at it. But it's not like he, there's been like a right-hand guy who's been a constant with him, but the staff has turned over an incredible amount, and it only seems to get better with each twist or each turn. Um, and so to that end, you know, it's just it's just pretty remarkable what he's done, and you know, when he, at one point when he ultimately does decide to, to step down, um, I'd be surprised. I'd be curious to see what is going to replace it for him. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket When it's live on March 17th, once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, so how's it work at Alabama, Bruce? Is he, you know, he's very obviously hands-on, but is he is he the closer? Do the other people do the recruiting, and then Nick comes in at the end? rolling up in a private plane or like what are the dynamics that you you know kind of take us behind the scenes there from what you've heard about how it works because it is an absolute clearinghouse obviously it's insane (laughs) how many nfl players come out of there every year yeah well he has his model for what the standards of what he feels like are critical to success for each prospect and i think because they have such a track record of not only winning championships but developing nfl talent I think the recruiting process is different than everybody else's. And so if Nick Saban is, is going to tab you, and I would use this example, like Amari Cooper, who obviously was an amazing college receiver before he went to the NFL, like he was not a big recruit coming out of South Florida. And, you know, Miami at the time did not move on him fast enough. He went and to, went to a camp at, at Alabama. Nick Saban watched him worked out, and he didn't care that he was – you know, at the time, probably the equivalent of a three-star. I don't even know if he was a, he might have been a no-star at that point. Nick Saban thought he was had a chance to be special. He offered him, and the pipeline to South Florida was cranked up and going because Nick Saban trusts his evaluation. I feel like one of the things you have with a great recruiter is they trust their own evaluations. And, you know, I saw that Ed Ogeron was a great recruiter at LSU. He trusts his evaluations. He doesn't really care what your star ranking is. And so that was a big piece of it. Bruce, making our way from the SCC to the to the Pac-12, USC and and Clay Helton. What's the leash like on him this season? That's a good question. I feel like you know, two years ago, their recruiting was really struggling with uh, him being on the hot seat for so long. And then last year, he shook up the staff. Wasn't like they had a great year. Um, but I think the assistants, some of the assistants they added really were good at developing relationships and cultivating, you know, trust and everything like that. And that helped. And they got some big time local players, especially. And that I think has given them some, some, some new energy and some needed momentum. But if they, you know, remember last year they played for the Pac-12 title. They didn't win it. They didn't have anybody out of the conference. It's also at the beginning of the year they almost lost to a really mediocre Arizona program that was winless. They almost lost. They were trailing that game with like a minute left. Yeah. So, you know, I think if they, you know, if they win nine games, you go nine and three. You know, USC fans won't think it's a great year. I don't know if you can fire him then. I think if they go win 10, you go 10 and 2, I really don't think you can fire him. The question is if you're 9 and 3, certainly 8 and 4, you know, can you, you know, can you get a Matt Campbell from Iowa State, say, and would he want to come? Um, if you can get him, if you have an option out there that you think is a really makes a lot of sense and gets people excited, then I think. You know, that's going to put even more pressure on him. You know, is Mario Cristobal a guy where you'd be able to pull him away from from Oregon and the other side of the conference? He's obviously recruited Southern California exceptionally well. He brings physical football, something I know a lot of old USC players really admire, um, especially in the days right now where they run an air raid, which, you know, I think people like Graham Harrell, but I think they're not thrilled with USC being an air raid style team so you know all those factors go into it but but to me the biggest thing above all is you know for a lot of usc people boosters former players and power brokers around the program i don't think they ever really were you know felt like clay helton should be the guy Mm -hmm. so how do you how does he convince them that he should be the guy going forward i don't know short of he can win the pac-12 title as they're ranked 11th in the country, I think a lot of the people who matter at USC would just say, yeah, but the Pac-12 is really down. We should be better than this. I really think about the only real way he can prove to those skeptics that he should have the job going forward is to get in the playoff. I mean, get into a four-team playoff. 
and, and not you know be top twelve. And, and that was going to lead me to my next question because the changing of the guard in the Pac twelve with Larry Scott being gone, what kind of resurgence? Like how fast do you think we'll see a resurgence with the Pac twelve? being in that picture regularly with the Big Ten, with the Big 12, and with the SEC and the ACC? Because you know, for all intents and purposes, it's been that kind of redhead stepchild. Like, okay, yeah, if you have one loss and you win your conference, then then we'll consider you for a playoff game. But for the most part, these guys are getting shellacked left and right, and part of it's because leadership at the top. Yeah, I mean, you can say that. Uh, look, I'm not going to advocate for Larry Scott because he did a terrific job. When I don't, when I think he didn't focus on the, the the most important things as it relates to, you know, running a Power Five conference. But ultimately, if USC was in the position it was when Pete Carroll was the head coach, it didn't matter who was running the Pac-12 at that point or the Pac-10 at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, USC like Larry Scott being the commissioner is not the reason why USC football went into a tailspin. It started with sanctions, and then it went to some really bad leadership above the head football coach. You know, you can start with, you know, went from Mike Garrett's tenure, Pat Hayden's decisions, and then to the curious and bizarre hire of Lynn Swan. And I think that, quote-unquote, leadership had way more, much more to do with why the Pac-12 as a football product has lagged. I mean, if you take a look at the rest of the league, I mean, I don't feel like there's really, um, you know, Oregon. I mean, right now, Mario Cristobal has them. It's not as high as when Chip Kelly had them. Mm-hmm. Oregon football is not like a, is not the problem. Um, I don't think, you know, the, the place where uh, that would help the Pac-12 immensely if Chip Kelly got it going at, at UCLA. Beyond that, I don't know if you look at, you know, Washington, Chris Peterson, had, did did very well for the Huskies. They didn't break into, you know, they made the playoff. They didn't do much beyond that. Um, you know, Stanford has backslid under David Shaw in the last few years. But beyond that, to me, it really comes back to the L.A. schools, right? I mean, USC is the preeminent powerhouse. They're the ones that need to be a national title contender. They have not been. UCLA, which had some success under Jim Bora, has sputtered. And we'll see, like I said, Chip Kelly had a great resume coming out of Oregon and had success, you know, early on in the NFL with the Eagles. But so far it's been it's been a struggle to elevate that program. Now maybe year four this will be the year that they break through and that would be a huge thing for the conference. But right now to me it's really a USC shortcoming when you look at what what how people view the Pac twelve more than anything. And, and with that said, Bruce, you mentioned Chip Kelly. They, I think he's the most he's won is four games. He's been there three years. You know, they, I think they went four and eight a couple of years ago. Uh, but it, uh, the boosters that used to this is always the issue with the Bruins. Like, are, are they going to find somebody for the football program? You know, how much time does Chip have left? I guess is the the question. As you know, if if they go out this year, the Bruins, and again have three or four wins, does he come back to coach in twenty twenty two, or do they have someone else? take over yeah i think if they are a three-win team now last year it's a hard you know like they they played seven games and i think you know you could tell that they were a better team but albeit it was in a pandemic and it was a short abbreviated season i think if they go seven and five i think there's a lot of people around you so figure like okay now all of a sudden we got some momentum we're start we're right we turned the corner because uh, I feel like they, they were definitely better last year than they were in his first two years. I mean, he basically flipped the roster, and now a lot of guys have, have played a lot of football there. Now, if they go five and seven, yeah, that's more wins than they've had before. But I think then it's a tough sell. You have an AD who didn't hire him. I think you have some expectations of, okay, maybe this just isn't a great fit here. But I feel like if they, if they get to a postseason bowl, then I think you've seen some improvement. It would not at all surprise me if they won eight games this year or even more, because I feel like they have really kind of now established a culture of what he wants. Whereas when he was at Oregon, remember he was the offensive coordinator when he jumped in there, they were already rolling under Mike Bellotti. And then they really elevated when he became the head coach here, he took over what was already a program that was, was sputtering at the end of Jim Moore. They had, they missed on a bunch of recruits 
And I think it was a real cultural shift going from Mora to Kelly and how he was going to run things. And they struggled. Now, I think they're out of that kind of malaise, but let's see how much faster they can elevate and can they ascend to be a top 25 program again. I think they have a real chance to do that this year. Yeah. And and staying in the Pac-12, Herm Edwards, former NFL coach over at Arizona State, I've heard they're pretty optimistic about their team this year, but there's also a little bit of scandal there. Uh, How long do you see Herm lasting with the Sun Devils? Yeah, I think it's more than a little scandal, to be honest. I mean, when you've had <laughs> three assistant coaches put on the show, that's a full-blown scandal. You know, the question is, I mean, I've heard from our reporting that the AD, Ray Anderson, really wants to keep firm. They really they really will do whatever they can to protect him. Antonio Pierce, who's a defense player, but really kind of a de facto head coach running the program. Yet, as it relates to the scandal, you've had three young assistants who are position coaches put on leave. Now, they're still being paid, but the question is, it doesn't seem very plausible that these three, like, basically entry-level assistants were bankrolling some, you know, this scandal as it relates to to bringing players on unofficial visits where they were, you know, improper benefits. Also, bringing players, and from our reporting at The Athletic, Herm had, had had met with players during the dead period during COVID, which would be a real violation. Um, I don't know how, like the question is going to be, some of the former assistants were no longer on staff, from what I've been told. They are going to be uh, willing to speak to the MCA and discuss some of these issues. And that doesn't bode well if you're Arizona State. The, the real question to me right now is how quickly does this come to a head? It does not look good for Arizona State. It's just a question of, does Herm and that staff, do they really make it through the season without this blowing up even further? Because, you know, everything I've heard is they want to basically have these three young staffers kind of be the fall guy for everything. And I don't know if that's entirely plausible, but if the administration's really going to back them, you know, maybe they... You know, the, the people who that, that quote unquote matter at Arizona State on in the coaching like her, maybe they end up with show causes. But look, Dan Mullen at Florida has a show cause for recruiting mm-hmm. violations, and he's still coaching there. Not only is he still coaching there, Florida gave him a raise this offseason of a million plus. So it's hard to predict how a university is going to handle scandal like this. Bruce, on, on a lighter note, speaking of, of coverage with what you do at the athletic. Um, it's an annual tradition with, with the freaks. And I took a peek at your list and, and correct me if I'm wrong in the pronunciation, but Xavion Furcron from Southern Illinois, that offensive guard squatting 800 pounds and benching 500. Yeah. Arguably the strongest man in college football. He's a really fascinating story. Not just this powerhouse in the weight room on the football field. This is a guy who grew up, uh, you know, without a father around, his, both his mother and his younger sister passed away in the last two years. Wow. Through it all, was able to still manage to get a 4.0 GPA. He's going for his master's. Um, the head coach there, Nick Hill, told me, he's like, this is the greatest leader I've ever been around. You just can't say enough good things about him. So wow. one of the things I, lo- I love about the Freaks List is just because there are a lot of stories, maybe not exactly like that one, of great perseverance and everything that maybe manifests itself like in the weight room or athletically, but also it speaks to some of the character guys and what they do and just being able to do it in this format where you can tell these stories and people may, may click on the story to see the uh, 350 pound left tackle at Alabama doing crazy um, split leg box jumps or seeing some other freaky stuff. But then you, you hear the story of a guy like this and it just kind of really, resonates with you yeah i mean i like it especially because you don't just you're not amongst the power five you dip into the mac which i love in the mountain west conference and of course the fcs like what was the genesis of the freaks um you know a long time ago i was doing a blog through espn.com and i was working at espn magazine and you would hear the term he's a freak athlete you hear somebody who you know like leg press 1200 pounds or could you know some some, you know, five, seven uh, linebacker who was a walk-on could do like, a, you know, 360 dunk or some freaky athletic thing. And I was like, 
I bet you there's 10 guys I could do a little story on. And so it was 10, and I went to 25, and then when I got to the athletic, we went to 50. And then as this thing has gone on, I've been doing it for 15-plus years. Mm-hmm. I've had so much buy-in from college strength coaches around the country and developed those relationships where now they've become a great source of intel. Um, and coaches as well, and now you start hearing from the players themselves, and then you got to verify, you know, if the player's telling you he did something, you just want to make sure that's in fact accurate. Um, but there's been so much from it that I was like, you know, this year I think I could probably do 100 of these guys and ended up with a lot more than 100. So it's just a, uh, it's a fun process to work on. I feel like I learn a ton about the players around the country, but also it's a great way to get ready for the start of the season. Absolutely. Uh, now, changing gears, I want to go back to the Southeastern Conference here, Bruce, and the news that came out that eventually the Longhorns and Sooners are going to be headed to the SEC. Now, I've heard from some people that listen to my, my radio show, there's like, well, the these SEC arrogance is that both these schools are not going to matter you know they're not gonna they're not gonna take down Alabama, for example, in the in the SEC. Where do you see them stacking up head to head once this, let's say, a year from now or two years from now, whenever this happens? Uh, will Oklahoma be relevant still? Will they still be at the very top of the SEC? Are they going to be a mid level team? And what happens to to Texas? I, I think if, if Lincoln Riley's still the head coach there and Alex Grinch is still running the defense, I absolutely think they will be relevant. Now, do I think they will be a playoff top five team every year? It's going to be a lot harder. You know, you're going to face a lot better defense and a lot better caliber defensive linemen um, and athletes in the SEC than he ever did in the Big 12. But I think if you have that kind of talent that they've had and that kind of coaching, I think they will definitely still be a factor. At Texas, it's a big TBD because they were always in close games. They won some, they lost some. You know, it was an underachieving program for a long time. Toward the end of the Mac Brown era, definitely for the Charlie Strong line, and then from Tom Herman. Stark has to get this thing elevated in a big way, or else they're going to be, you know, somewhere along the lines of probably what Mississippi and Missouri have been if they don't get it going. And that's not to say that um, those are bad programs, but they're not, it's not going to cut it. What you could, what you could do with not always having your A game and maybe not developing talent as much as you need to at Texas. In the Big 12, you can get away and go 8-4. and four. In, the, in, the, in the SEC right now into that league, I mean, you're going you're gonna to struggle to have a winning record. You may go 6-6, six and six, maybe you go 7-5, and five, but the chances of going to win nine games, it's not going to be it. It's, it's probably the difference between a game and a half, I would say, each year, especially depending on how the schedules are get get straightened out. Do you think Absolutely. Do you think Lane Kiffin's going to find a way to win or help Matt Corral win the Heisman Trophy this year? Do you think he's going to do everything in his power to make sure he does that? I think he's going to try. I don't know if you know it would have helped if he had Elijah Moore still <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, he's right. not a good skill guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I think that's a real long shot for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, one thing we've seen. Almost every year, whether it's Devontae Smith or Joe or Joe Burrow or way back to Johnny Football, somebody has come off the, come out of the woodwork to make a run at the Heisman. I mean, Matt Corral is probably better positioned right now than most of the guys who've won Heisman's before. But you know, at this point, I would say it's still a long shot because you know you have to. You know, they're going to need help from their defense. They were horrible on defense awesome. last year. They were barely a 500 team. You know, they're going to have to go be a top 15 team. Otherwise, you're just going to put up big stats, mm-hmm. which is fine. And maybe that gets you invited to New York. But I think he's going to have to do a lot better job taking care of the football and being a lot more consistent if he really wants to be in the Heisman consideration. So I, I, want, I want to backpedal to the to the conference shakeup thing, Bruce. Uh, and. What happens to the team? I know the Vultures are out. The Big 12, what's left once Texas and Oklahoma leave. Do they? Do half of them go to the Pac-12 and they, they make it a mega conference? Do they go to the ACC? Like, How do you think this shakes out with what's left of the current Big 12 minus Texas and Oklahoma? I think they're going to have to do a masterful job of trying to sell it and market themselves. Because right now the idea of the leftovers from the 
from the Big 12, which don't have anywhere near the cachet from a TV ratings poll standpoint. You know, it's one thing to go partner up with, say, the, the Pac-12 necessarily. But now also you're talking about instead of, let's, let's say they take the whole, all eight of them. They're talking about splitting it 20 ways instead of 12. I mean, it's K-State and, and Texas Tech and uh, Oklahoma State. Are they really going to be must-see TV for, you know, or if you're the Pac-12 in the Utah-Oklahoma State game, got to really get TV executives fired up? Those are two successful programs. We're not talking about Kansas here. Um, and yet, I just think that that's not going to add to their bottom line in a profound way if you're the Pac-12. Now, I can see why you want to do it if you're, if you're the Big 12 because you just got gutted from the top of the food chain that you could partner up with a conference that has USC and has Oregon and some big, big markets, Washington, you know, Arizona State, and you know, those, are, those are big markets. But I, from the Pac-12 standpoint, I don't know if it makes sense. And I, you know if you're George Kliabkov, you got to get a great feel for what USC values because they have a lot of clout at this point and they are attractive compared to the other, other conferences in Power Five. And if USC is looking at going, I don't want you guys to, you know, it does nothing for us to bring in Oklahoma State <laughs> or as good as Matt Campbell is and what they've done at Iowa State the last few years. I mean, is that a big sell for us to have Iowa State in there? You know, if Matt Campbell leaves, is anybody that excited about Iowa State at that point? Um, you know, those are some hard questions that I think the Pac-12 has to sort out. I mean, if you're the ACC, I don't know necessarily what that what that brings to them to add some of these programs. I mean, it just to me, it's a hard sell to take take necessarily the leftovers as a straight on full on partner. Bruce, I'm looking forward to reading your stuff on the Athletic during the football season, seeing you on TV and all that, and uh, good health, and we'll have you on again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Thanks, Bruce. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.